Hello, and welcome to Historically Speaking, uncommon history with an unconventional pair. I'm Rebecca Robbins. And I'm Kim Kimmel. I'm a singer and actress. And I'm a retired history teacher. He was my history teacher in college. And now we've been married for 21 years. (laughs) Sometimes quirky, sometimes obscure. But this is the kind of history you actually want to remember. Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of Historically Speaking Podcast. 30th episode, wow. I know, I'm so excited. We're almost at the one year mark. That's right, we are, yes. Pretty amazing. Today, we thought we would look at- Holidays. Yeah, a handful of holiday histories. Right, and differences. And differences. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting because we all have our favorite holiday. Right. What's your favorite holiday? Christmas Eve? Oh, I think probably Thanksgiving. Oh, really? Yeah, I like Thanksgiving a lot. It's very American. It is very American. Yes. That's Mm -hmm. true. Right. I think mine might be Christmas. I think yours is Christmas. Yes. But I like them all, honestly. Well, we're going to cover four. We're going to cover New Year's Day. We're going to cover the new holiday of Juneteenth. We'll cover Halloween, and we'll cover Christmas. Okay. So. And most people think they know the history of their favorite holiday, but Right. Who knows? Maybe something will surprise them. Maybe. Well, perhaps. first, let's talk about the calendar. All right. Well, this goes to New Year's Day and so on. Uh, various peoples through history have had different calendars. Some of them are solar calendars. Some are lunar calendars. Uh, there's a wide variety of calendars that exist. The one that the world now follows virtually universally, for convenience sake, is the Gregorian calendar, named after Pope Gregory the Thirteenth, who reigned in the late 16th century. And it was a revision of the Julian calendar, which was authored by Julius Caesar himself, because the Roman calendar, by the time Julius Caesar lived, was way out of whack. So how did he come up with a calendar? Well, he came up with everything. I mean, Cicero said he'd rather have a conversation with Julius Caesar than do anything else, because Caesar could discourse on anything. And Caesar knew that uh, the calendar, the old, remember, by the time Julius Caesar lived, Rome was some 700 years old. So they had been been using some form of... That's right. The original Roman calendar is credited to the second king of Rome, Numa Pompilius, who comes right after Romulus. And the original Roman calendar only had 10 months, and the first day of the year was March 1st. By the time you get to Julius Caesar, what's going to happen is two months will have been added, January and February. And when Caesar revised the old Roman calendar because it was so out of whack, He made January 1st the first day of the year rather than March 1st. Now, I have a question. How would you know your calendar's out of whack? You would know your calendar's out of whack because of uh, darkness and light and other things like that occurring at different times when they shouldn't, etc. And the Roman calendar was very much out of sync uh, by the first century BC. And Julius Caesar supervised the revision of the calendar. What's interesting about the Julian calendar that uh, Caesar authorized, is it was a lot more accurate than the old one, but it still wasn't accurate enough. It was off 11 minutes a year. 11 minutes? 11 minutes a year. That's very specific. That's very specific. Now, 11 minutes doesn't sound like, like very much, but over the course of centuries, it can add up. I guess so. So by, say, the 17th century, the Julian calendar is actually 10 days behind 
the new Gregorian calendar, which was much more accurate, which had been formed in the late 16th century, uh, authorized by Pope Gregory. And so England and the Protestant nations were still following the Julian calendar because they didn't want to follow a calendar that was authorized by the Catholic world. And the Gregorian calendar was followed by a lot of Catholic countries. So you had two different calendars being followed. So nobody knew what day it was. Well, by the 17th century, it was a 10-day difference. Uh, in England, uh, it was January 30th. Uh, in France, it would have been February 9th. <laughs> so that, I mean, that creates a huge problem. It created a huge problem. In recording history and, and right. dates accurately. Especially when you're studying 16th, 17th, 18th century history, and all kinds of historians will tell you, usually they have some preface or note at the beginning of their work, if they're dealing with those years, that... You have the problem of the Gregorian calendar and you have the problem of the Julian calendar conflicting. But there's another conflict here, too. The Julian calendar used January 1st as the beginning of the year. Now, the Gregorian calendar did, too. But in the Middle Ages, as you move away from antiquity and you move into the Middle Ages, the uh, medieval Christian world decided that March 25th would be the first day of the year. Just out of random, like, I like this date, let's make this the first of the well, year. Well, there are different suggestions why it occurred. It might have something to do with the beginning of spring. Now, Rough. see, that makes sense to me. Right. But it also may have something to do with the fact that Christians looked upon March 25th as the day that the Archangel Gabriel announced uh, to Mary that she would bear Jesus. The, now, how uh, do we know it was that date? Well, that's the traditional date the Christians gave. We don't know that for an absolute fact. But that's what they based it on. That's what they based it on. So March 25th was apparently, according to Christian belief, the day that Jesus was conceived uh, miraculously. When Very Mary, miraculously. Right. The Annunciation. So March 25th was the first day of the year. So in addition to having a 10-day difference between the Gregorian calendar and the Julian calendar, you had the problem of uh, March 25th being the first day of the year in a lot of countries as opposed to January 1st. This is so confusing. Right, I know. And uh, it wasn't until the mid-18th century that England decided to go with the Gregorian calendar. As of 1752, they just dropped 10 days, which they had to do, and they went to January 1st as the beginning of the year instead of March 25th. So by the mid-18th century, almost everyone had adopted to the Gregorian calendar in the West, but not Russia. Russia stuck with the old uh, Julian calendar, even into the 20th century. Wow. And it wasn't until the Russian Revolution that they went with the Gregorian calendar. I mean, Alexandria in Egypt had August 29th as New Year's Day. Go figure. That's incredible. <laughs> yes. Well, and didn't the Druids have November 1st? Yes, they did. That's right. Uh, that's why you had the Halloween festival we're going to uh, Which was discuss. kind of their New Year's Eve, I that's guess. That's right. That's correct. October 31st was their, was their New Year's Eve. But for convenience sake, the world now uses January 1st as the beginning of the year and the Gregorian calendar. Uh, I'm so glad everyone's on the same page now. <laughs> well, a lot of, uh, a lot of peoples, uh, for cultural reasons or religious reasons, still use their own uh, historical calendar. But for convenience sake, the Gregorian calendar is now used universally. Okay. Yeah. Well, that explains that. Well, that's it. So New Year's Day is pretty much January 1st. Universally. Yeah. You can thank Julius Caesar for that. Mm -hmm. I would love to thank him in person. <laughs> yes. And uh, so now we move on to a completely different holiday. 
Different and new. And very new. This is Juneteenth. Uh, this was just made a holiday, a national holiday in June of this year. And um, Juneteenth celebrates the time when the very last portion of the Confederacy was liberated by Union troops under a, a particular Union general named Gordon Granger. General Granger liberated the Galveston area in Texas, which was the last really holdout for the Confederacy. And uh, this was June 19, 1865. Apparently, he issued an order called General Order Number 3. That's a little bit debated. But this uh, represented the very last portion of the Confederacy where slavery existed. And that was celebrated very much right from the beginning by especially black Americans. In Texas. Yes, in Texas. And then it kind of spread to other states. I mean, Texas was the first state to make it a state holiday in 1979. And it really oh, caught I didn't on. Know that. Yeah, it really caught on after 2000. In Pennsylvania, it was made a state holiday in 2019. There is one problem with Juneteenth, which I want to mention, and uh, it's this: that it didn't end slavery in America. Uh, what ended slavery in America was the Thirteenth Amendment. So, when June 19, 1865, occurred, and the last portion of the Confederacy was taken, and uh, the last black slaves were truly liberated, a great event. Slavery was still legal in Delaware and Kentucky because- So it was legal and there were still slaves being And there were still slaves there. There were even a handful of slaves in New Jersey at the time because New Jersey had a gradual abolition of slavery. And this goes to a very important point about the Civil War. On the eve of the Civil War, there were 15 slave states, 15. 11 formed the Confederacy, but four stayed with the Union, Missouri, Kentucky, Maryland, and Delaware. Now- by the end of the Civil War, Missouri and Maryland had gotten rid of slavery, but Kentucky and Delaware had not. They still had slavery. And Lincoln didn't, President Lincoln didn't want to interfere, nor did he th think he had the constitutional authority to interfere in slave states that were loyal to the Union. Now, in, Doesn't that defeat the whole purpose of being a part of the Union? No, not really. I mean, you, Lincoln's point was the Union had to be saved above all. I mean, he wrote to Horatio Seymour, if I can save the Union by freeing all the slaves, I will do so. If I can save the Union by freeing no slaves, I will do so. Even though he detested slavery, he felt that the preservation of the Union was paramount and that slavery would eventually be abolished anyway. He was convinced of that. Now, what happened was on September 22nd, 1862, Lincoln issued the Preliminary Emancipation Proclamation five days after the Battle of Antietam, which was fought in Maryland. And it announced that on January 1st, 1863, slaves would be free in all Confederate-held territory. On January 1st, he issued the Emancipation Proclamation, and this covered 10 of the 11 Confederate states. Tennessee was already liberated by uh, the Union troops, and it didn't cover portions of Louisiana and Virginia. What's interesting is Lincoln liberates the slaves precisely where the Union doesn't have control. Where the Union had control, for instance, the four slave states that stayed with the Union, the uh, about-to-be new state of West Virginia, which broke away from Virginia and in its constitution had a gradual abolition of slavery. He felt he didn't have the constitutional authority to do that. But because of the war powers of the president and he was faced with insurrection, he felt he did have the authority to liberate slaves where there was insurrection. And this, is, this was a huge step, but it would take a couple years <laughs> for right. the Union yet to win the Civil War. But I find it interesting that Juneteenth is not the end of slavery in America. The end of slavery would only come when the 13th Amendment was ratified 
Uh, it was proclaimed as ratified by the Secretary of State, William Seward, on December 18th, and that's usually the date given for the 13th Amendment, which ended slavery in all of America, as the true ending of slavery everywhere. I'm just curious, in the United how, States. how did that work? If you were a slave owner, December 18th hits, do you just all of a sudden say, okay. They had no choice. In Delaware and Kentucky, they had no choice. You know, I had a- How was that enforced? It was enforced. It was. In fact, what was interesting is the uh, five civilized tribes in what is now Oklahoma, which was Indian territory then, the Creek, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, the Cherokee, and the Seminole, they had their own black slave system. And in 1866, after the 13th Amendment went into effect, the U.S. government had to send officials there and tell the American Indian, those tribes, they had to get rid of slavery. And if they didn't, they wouldn't be able to have their own governments. Wow. And remember, it, the five civilized Where tribes- Where would they have gotten black slaves? They, American Indians had an extensive black slave system. The last Confederate general to surrender to Union troops was General Stan Waity. General Stan Waity was a Cherokee chieftain. That's fascinating. I don't think a lot of people know that. I don't think a lot of people know a lot of things. I think in the school system today, they're only teaching part of the facts. They're not teaching all of the facts. Another one that's very interesting is that free blacks owned black slaves. In the 1830 census, it showed that almost 4,000 free blacks in the United States owned almost 13,000 black slaves. How could they do that to their own people? Uh, slavery is something that has existed since antiquity. Uh, whites enslaved whites uh, during uh, ancient times. Uh, a lot of times, uh, slavery begins with prisoners of war, even though they may be the right. same race or whatever. Oftentimes, though, slavery does enslave the other, the person that belongs to the other race, to another race, to another tribe, to another ethnicity. Certainly, women have been enslaved. And then there's slavery in everything but name, like serfdom and indentured servitude and concubines right. <laughs> and harems and so on. So slavery is, is universal. I mean, it has existed all across the world. And it was the Western world as a unit that first realized that it was truly wrong and took steps to uh, eradicate it. The Judeo-Christian world did this. The first religious statement we have against slavery comes from a group of Quakers in Germantown, which is now part of Philadelphia, uh, in 1688. That late? That, that late, yes, that late. That's the first time right. someone publicly spoke uh, A religious out group uh, actually maintained that slavery itself was wrong. In the New Testament, St. Paul, who writes about half of the New Testament, 13 of the 27 books, he encourages uh, Christians who have slaves to be kind to their slaves. But he doesn't he say, doesn't say right. free your slaves. That's correct. The idea that uh, slavery only existed in the West is quite, uh, quite erroneous. Uh, slavery Various nations abolished, first of all, a lot of nations abolished the slave trade before they abolished slavery. For instance, uh, Britain abolished the slave trade in 1807, the United States in 1808. Britain abolished slavery in 1833. The United States would have to fight a brutal civil war in part to end slavery. But one country after another had slavery. I mean, Denmark and the West Indies had slaves, and they didn't free them until the late 1840s. France didn't end slavery until 1848. Uh, it, it didn't. And these end. weren't all necessarily black slaves. They weren't necessarily black, but in the instances I've mentioned, uh, yes, pretty much in the West Indies and so on, they were. 
Slavery in Cuba ended in 1886, in Brazil in 1888. Slavery didn't end in China until 1910. And we're not talking wow. enslaving of blacks there, all right? Uh, slavery did not end in Saudi Arabia until 1962. Whoa. And in Mauritania, it didn't end until the mid-1980s. Wow, this is just mind-blowing. But getting back to Juneteenth and the 13th Amendment and so on, I had a, I had a mind because uh, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey was very much pushing for Juneteenth to be a national holiday. I had a mind back in the spring. I, mean, I think I said this to you. I, I think you did. I, yeah, I, I said I, I, I feel like writing to Senator Booker and saying, you know, yeah, Juneteenth is a, is a big deal, but even a bigger deal is December 18th when the 13th Amendment became part of the United States Constitution and ended slavery everywhere, including in Kentucky and Delaware. And a few in his state. Of and New a few Jersey. in his state in New Jersey, which is ironic, right? So Juneteenth, I want to just let our listeners know that did not end slavery throughout the United States. The 13th Amendment did, which comes six months later, six months after Juneteenth. So I always, I've, I kind of thought, you know, if you're going to celebrate the ending of slavery in America, why not December 18th rather than June 19th? Well, here's my reasoning. Okay. Because it's cold. It's the middle of the holiday season. <laughs> There's already enough stuff going on. Uh -huh. So let's celebrate it in the summertime. We can go out. We can have a picnic. We can be with our family and friends. That's my reasoning. Well. For whatever that's worth. There you go, folks. I'm, I'm one-upped again. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, maybe we should celebrate both days. Right. Whatever. But uh, I, slavery is iniquitous. Uh, I, I think it is an abomination. The entire world experienced it. Every people did and so on. Theoretically, slavery no longer exists in any nation. But de facto, it still exists, particularly in parts of Africa and Asia. Well, and the sex trafficking and all oh, of that Oh, yeah. Well, stuff. that's a kind of slavery and so on, too. It's yeah. terrible. No. So that's like, going on everywhere. If you, you have to be pretty naive to think that slavery does not exist. Even it now. still does, right. It's just that the jure, officially, theoretically, it doesn't. But in fact, it does. So, so horrible. I don't know how you could live with yourself. Well, you know, it's interesting. Abraham Lincoln made the observation. He made a lot of wise observations. He made the observation that slavery not only degrades the slave, it degrades the slave owner. And I think that's a very astute Well, yeah, because who are you to yes. not pay someone to do your labor? I think it brings everyone down. And there's another thing about slavery, too, and that is it's not economically efficient. I mean, the major objection to slavery should always be a moral one, an ethical one. Right. But there's a good secondary reason to oppose slavery. It's not economically sound. An individual slave owner may profit from having slaves, but the society as a whole does not. Free labor produces a much more uh, vibrant economy than a slave labor society does. Just look at the North on the eve of the Civil War versus the South as an example. They were much more productive. And that's because they paid for their That's because of free wages. labor. And that's because and, and in, in English laborers uh, who couldn't get cotton from the Confederacy, even though it hurt them in the, in the textile mills in England, wrote this magnificent letter to Abraham Lincoln saying they understood why the Civil War had to be fought and why the Union had to win, because slavery was inimical to free labor. Yeah, that's one of those big what-ifs in history. What if, so, what if the South had been successful? I think the South had about a 5% chance of winning the Civil War. I think if the South had won the Civil War, they would have abolished slavery by around 1900. I think the movement to abolish slavery was overwhelming. And I think the South would have done it in part for economic reasons, ones I mentioned. It just wasn't productive. Too bad they didn't figure that out sooner. Well. Could have saved a lot of lives. Yes. Yes, I agree. 
All right. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's now we're in June. Now we're going to October. Yes, we're going to Halloween. Which has become an extraordinarily popular holiday. It's amazing to me how many people really love Halloween. Oh my gosh. And I, yeah. I feel like it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger even in the last 10 yeah. years or so. Well, I think it uh, it comes at a great time of year. I mean, there's something about the crispness of fall, which is just wonderful. Oh, it's so invigorating. Well, I know autumn's your favorite season. Fall, fall is by far. Far my favorite season. Right. My wife, folks, is not a lover of hot weather. Nope. <laughs> nope. If we skipped summer, I'd be okay. All right. Well, Halloween uh, has almost certainly its origins with the Druids and the Celts in Northwestern Europe, in Ireland, in Scotland, in Britain, in Gaul, what would become France, and so on. The Druids were the priestly caste of the Celts. And, and what century are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about many centuries. The Celts moved into that area around 500, 400 B.C., they would be there BC. for yeah BC. They'd be there for hundreds of years before Julius Caesar conquered uh, the Celts in Gaul, before the Romans invaded Britannia in 43 A.D. and uh, the Romans would eventually run Britain or most of Britain. They never got into the Highlands until uh, the fifth century A.D. But Halloween really has its origins with a Druid feast called Samhain. Now it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, so it doesn't sound any way the way it's spelled. But that's oftentimes the case with Celtic spelling. I mean, if anybody's ever studied Welsh, it's almost impronounceable. Well, for me, that's French. It, right. Uh, but it's, Samhain is, is basically the Druid feast, October 31st. November 1st was the beginning and of- And what were they celebrating? They were celebrating the end of the year. It was New Year's Eve. And oh, they were see. celebrating, and there was a time for when the spirits, the, the spiritual world and the, and the material world could come together. And, you know, the whole element about ghosts and all so of that. So it was sort of religious in a way. Oh, it was definitely religious. The Druids were the priestly caste of the Celts. And there are, there's a real negative about the Druids, and I'm going to mention it here. Okay. Uh, they engaged in human sacrifice. Really? We know that for sure? We're virtually certain of that, yes. And, and, uh, and one of the ways that they would engage in human sacrifice is to build a gigantic straw man and put the person in and burn them alive. And of course, the film, The Wicker Man. Oh, yes. Such which, a bizarre film. Which we watched uh, earlier this year. I'm glad year. I saw it, but I don't need to see it again. You're not going to see it a second time? No, not. I think it was made in something like 1973. But uh, yeah, it really recalls what the Druids did. Uh, the Wicker Man. And uh, Yeah, I'm, a Wicker Man. Yeah. And you put your livestock and your human sacrifice in there right. and set it on fire. Right. And uh, this this Druid feast, really, it made some headway once uh, Ireland, Scotland, and those entire areas were Christianized. Uh, they kind of kept it as a feast because November 1st, by the uh, 8th century, became All Saints Day, all right, when the Catholic Church would celebrate basically all the saints, not the ones that are just named and have hol um, particular holy days. November 1st was for all the saints. Uh, originally, it was May 13th. But by the 8th century, it was effectively November 1st. And they kind of borrowed uh, Halloween, the eve of November 1st, as a celebratory time before All Saints Day. And Halloween actually means all comes from All Hallows' Eve, which means on the eve of All Saints Day. But it's interesting because even as a kid growing up, there was a sort of a debate among Christians yes. if they should celebrate Halloween. Well, that's correct. Uh, a lot of Christian sects, particularly once the Protestant Reformation occurred in the 16th century, a lot of Christian sects, even to this day, look upon Halloween as a pagan feast that should not be celebrated. 
And indeed, it did begin as a pagan feast. Right. They're, they're actually not wrong about that. <laughs> uh, but it has taken on such a, I guess, uh, innocuous element. And uh, you know, you get the bobbing of apples, which might have come from the fact that the Roman goddess Pomona was the goddess of trees and fruit, and her symbol was the apple. So there might have been a little Roman mixing of, uh, of holidays oh, with Halloween. Halloween didn't really take off in America until loads of Irish and Scots came here. And that's when it really takes off. Now, what's interesting is in Ireland and Scotland, uh, where Halloween was celebrated, they used turnips to carve out faces and so on. Turnips, turnips. your favorite vegetable. Because Halloween's didn't, I'm sorry, not Halloween's, but pumpkins didn't exist in Ireland and in Scotland. Oh, because that was a crop of the new world. That's right, like tomatoes and potatoes. Oh, I never thought But when that. the Irish came here and the Scots and so on, since turnips are so much harder to carve and are smaller, they just adapted to using pumpkins because they're so much easier to carve and they're so much bigger. And so you went from turnips to pumpkins. I'm glad they did. <laughs> Didn't know that, did you? I did not. Yeah. So you learn something every day. I sure do. Living with you, I learn something every day, <laughs> like it or not. Most of the time, folks, I think she doesn't like it, but... That's just the way it is. I know. When you marry your history professor, that's oh what you get. Oh, my gosh. Uh, she's a saint. Any case, I digress. Any case. Moving right. right along. Right. Moving right along. So Halloween has really become, for most people, this kind of, you know, jovial time. Uh, and sure, you, the, you know, uh, adults are dressing up, I think, in greater numbers than ever. Right. But some people take it really seriously. You know, all the witches stuff and the warlocks and all that. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Wiccans. Like the Wiccans and so on. But uh, I, I love a good Monster Mash myself. <laughs> yes. Well, I remember the song Monster Mash. Right. I think it came out in 62. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, I love that song. Uh, in fact, but, I have a whole playlist on Spotify that's October favorites. Is that right? I do, yeah. Oh, gosh. Maybe I'll link that. it in the in the show notes. Oh, I think that'd be a good idea. All right. I think that's enough on Halloween. I think so. So it started out as a Druid pagan feast. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And they were making human sacrifices. Yep. Ugh. By the way, the Romans found it appalling whenever they conquered a people and they had human sacrifice. They felt the same thing about the Carthaginians. Uh, the Romans could be brutal, but they didn't have human sacrifice. Uh, the Romans looked upon war as a cruel necessity and their religion, Roman religion, had no human sacrifice in it. Well, burning someone alive. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's evil. And a lot of religions had that. The uh, Aztecs had that. They had the human sacrifice, cannibalism. Uh, Aztec priests wore capes made out of uh, human skin. So wow. you have a, you have man's inhumanity to man all across. I know, across, starting with Juneteenth and now. All across the earth, yeah. Halloween. Right. Everybody's pretty much been, every group has been inhumane to some other group at one time or another. You don't want to just single out one group. You want to tell the whole truth. Otherwise, you're engaging in an agenda. Well, and that seems to be happening a lot these days. Yes, unfortunately it does. Cherry picking your facts. I know. Hey, let's move on to Christmas. I love Christmas. I know. This is my wife's favorite holiday. Why is it December 25th? That's a good question. I've always wondered that. We have no idea. The Gospels do not state anything about when Jesus was born. All right. Jesus could have been born on the 4th of July. We don't even know what year Jesus was born. It appears that he was born in 4 BC. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't matter. It seems like a 6th century monk made a miscalculation, but it stunk, stuck. It stuck. And it stunk. <laughs> it stunk. <laughs> 
And so this really should be the year 2025. So wait, so Jesus was born in four years before Christ. Yes, I know. It's it's a truly uh, oxymoronic. Yeah, it truly is. Right. Yeah. But why December 25th? Well, there's different reasons given for that. One of the reasons is, is that there was a major Roman feast, the Saturnalia, in late December. And so when, when Romans began to convert to Christianity and others began to convert to Christianity, they borrowed this Roman feast. But there is some objection to that as a real connection. Another idea that the reason why it's December 25th is because there was the Mith Mithric religion, the occult of Mithras. Uh, I've never by, heard of that. By Roman soldiers. And his feast day was December 25th. But that's a little sketchy, too. Uh, it seems that Christmas was first celebrated by the Christian world in the early 4th century, sometime when Constantine was emperor. He was emperor from 306 to 337, and it seems that Christmas was celebrated the first time in 336. It's interesting, in the first few centuries of Christianity, neither the crucifixion nor the birth of Jesus were really celebrated that much. What was really celebrated was the resurrection and the ascension. And you even see that in Christian art. There's very, there's very little in the first few centuries of Christian art depicting the crucifixion and, and Christmas. But... In because case, now Christmas is all about the birth of baby Jesus. Right. Well, there's another reason why it might be December 25th, and it goes back to what we were dealing with when we were talking about New Year's. Christians believe that the Annunciation, when Archangel Gabriel announced to Mary that she would conceive Jesus in a miraculous way, was March 25th. And nine months later from March 25th is December 25th. I see. So that could be a possible reason why it's December 25th, but there are problems with that. For instance, in the Gospel of Luke, you have shepherds out in the field when Jesus is born with their, with their flock. Right. I mean, that's always part of the nativity But why scene. would shepherds be out with their flock in late December when it's rather cold? They'd have them sequestered. Uh, they wouldn't be out with them. So that's an objection to the accuracy of December 25th. We really, we really don't know. I see. We, we just kind of guessed and said, hey, right. let's just pick this day. Right. And when uh, President Grant was chief executive, it was during his presidency that Christmas was made a national holiday. It wasn't before then? Nope. It was when Grant was president. He was president from 1869 But it was still celebrated. It was still celebrated, absolutely. What's interesting, in Puritan New England, like in the 17th century, the pilgrims. Uh, yes. You couldn't celebrate it in any kind of festive way. Nothing like that. Uh, that was looked upon as uh, elements of popery, of Roman Catholicism, which the pilgrims looked uh, down upon, or Arminianism, which was uh, high church Anglicanism. And so the, uh, the pilgrims would, of course, celebrate Christmas by going to church, but no presents, no, no decorations, no decorations no or feast. anything like that. And the, what's interesting about Christmas trees is they seem to have come in in the 16th century in Germany. They didn't exist before that. And when Germany, Yeah, why a tree? Why do we decorate a tree? Well, the Germans started doing it in the 16th century. Luther himself did. Martin Luther himself is credited with the putting some kind of candles on, on a Christmas tree and so on. And then when a lot of Germans came here to the United States, they brought that custom and it kind of, you know. Well, wasn't it Victoria who first put a Christmas tree? Well, uh, I wouldn't say it was first, but Victoria and Albert really made a very big deal in early Victorian England of huge Christmas tree being decorated and so on. And because Victoria was a very popular monarch for most of her reign, that caught on with the English people. And so that helps to explain uh, the celebration with a Christmas tree in England and, and in, throughout the British Empire in many places, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. India. 
Uh, well, not so much in India because you're talking about Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, and others. Not too many Christians in India, about 1%. Well, I was just thinking about oh, you mean the, the British, British. British officials. Yeah, of course they would have celebrated that. Yes. So that's the uh, story of Christmas trees in a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> I love that. Well, and then there's the whole thing about the three wise men. Yes, the, the three wise men, uh, yes, that, that appears uh, in the Gospel of Matthew and only in the Gospel of Matthew. Three wise men would have been Zoroastrian priests. They would have been the Magi. The Magi were Zoroastrian priests who were known for their wisdom. And, of course, the Christians, you could see why it would be very important for the Christian mindset to say, hey, look, here are people from another religion. Zoroastrians and their priestly caste, and they realize the significance of the birth of this child. And they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and so on. Now, whether that really happened, of course, it's difficult to say, uh, but it's only mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew. I see. Right. So, okay. Covered okay. New Year's, Juneteenth, uh, Halloween, and Christmas. And that's all I'm doing. I'm not doing any more. No, no more holidays for you. <laughs> well, at least, at least in this podcast now. Okay. Yeah. Well, I kind of wanted to throw uh, St. Patrick's Day in there because I'm a huge. Oh, okay, we'll throw it in there. Yeah, March, uh, March seventeenth. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's the great Irish Catholic holiday. But of course, for Irish Protestants, it's July twelfth, the Battle of the Boyne, when William the Third of Orange, uh, the Dutch King of England, defeated James in Ireland on that day the in sixteen ninety. Yeah, the Orangemen. So it's their St. Patrick's Day. I guess there you go. People need holidays. People need time they to do. celebrate. For most people, it's a day off of work, which is lovely. And then it's a time to be with family. Yeah, and speaking of work, uh, up on, like in America, up until the 1920s, most uh, men, when they went to work, they worked six days a week. Uh, Saturdays off is something that really only comes in in the 1920s. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, as an actor, we work six days a week as well. Yes. I tell you, folks, it's slave labor. Pretty much. <laughs> Any case. A slave to our art. Yes. In a way. Anyway. Okay. Well, I know one of your favorite holidays, though. Let's let's be clear about this is Christmas Eve. Yes. Uh, Christmas Eve, I think, is probably the most atmospheric day of the year. It's uh, probably the best day of the year with respect to anticipation. Right. You could, almost argue, that, you, you could almost argue that Christmas is anticlimactic. So, but yes, I, I do like Christmas Eve. And, and I there's think, another reason you like Christmas Eve. Yes, there is another very personal reason why I like Christmas Eve, and perhaps you can tell our listeners why. It's your birthday. <laughs> it's my birthday, yes. Yes, I was born on Christmas Eve. You were due at Thanksgiving, and you were born on Christmas Eve. Well, it was a meal on wheels program, and I didn't, you know. Your want to poor come mother. Out. Yeah, I know. I agree. A lot of people say, well, oh my gosh, you got cheated. No, no. I love Christmas Eve. The people that get cheated are all the other are people. Me. People like my wife, my parents, my brother, my sister, who were always good about honoring my birthday. It was they who had the burden, not me. Buying all the presents. Now, this is for your birthday, <laughs> and, then and here's, this is for Christmas. Right. Well, when I was a kid, I could combine the two. And have a super present, you know, a birthday Christmas oh, present. Oh, did you? Did they give you that option? Or did uh, sometimes, they yeah, I got a bike one Christmas because. You oh, know, and was, that was your Christmas and your birthday. It was a combo, <laughs> so it actually worked in my favor sometimes. Uh, it never worked against me. So, but everybody asks me when I tell them my, my birthday's Christmas Eve. Oh my gosh, you got gypped. Oh, that's terrible. Oh no, I love my birthday. It's a beautiful time. <laughs> it Everything's is. decorated, and right. it's just magic. Yep, I agree. Okay. Okay. Well, that wraps up episode 30. Episode 30. What are we doing next time? Next time, I think, because it will be October. Yes. 
We're going to start with Jack the Ripper. Oh, okay. Which may be a little gruesome. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, yes. Uh, it can be very gruesome. But it's a fascinating uh, story. It's still obviously never been figured and out. And the Whitechapel murders in general. Right. Of which I think there were something like 11. Right. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to go through the different theories and mm. that right. kind of thing. All right. Does that sound good to you? Can't wait. Excellent. Well, until then, everyone, stay well, stay safe, and we'll sign off. Yes. Goodbye. Well, friends, here we are at the end of the podcast. Be sure to check out the links in the show description to find some of the resources we used for this episode. Also, if you've enjoyed listening, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a virtual high five by leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. And if you'd like to connect with us directly, you can find us at historicallyspeakingpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Historically Speaking Podcast. That's it for today. And again, thanks for sharing part of your day with us. And remember, if you want to know what the future holds, study the past. <laughs>